Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. I'd love to read for you from the book of Matthew, chapter 22. I'm going to read from verse 1. Uh, Jesus here is telling a parable, and I'll read from verse 1. Jesus also told them other parables, he said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a king who prepared a wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. Everyone say, oh no. So he sent out other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared, the bulls and the fattened calf has been killed, sorry to the vegans, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. This just took a bad turn, didn't it? Verse 7, the king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Interesting. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This just got real, didn't it? Verse 14, for many are called, but few are chosen. I feel like this parable starts really exciting and then takes a dark turn and then ends with this statement, for many are called, but few are chosen. My message tonight I've titled Be Chosen because I feel like if many are called and few are chosen, what qualifies us to be chosen? Is there something that makes some chosen and some not? So this message tonight is called Be Chosen. Let's just focus on this parable for a moment. There's a few, there's a few players, there's a few uh, positions in this parable that I want to explain. The Christ is the bridegroom. God the Father is the King. This is a royal wedding for his son. It's not for a servant, but it's for his son. This is a great celebration. This is a royal wedding as such. The bride, this is very masculinating for all the men in the room. The bride is you, the church. It's us. The bride of Christ is the church. If you identify as a Christian, that means like Christ, means that we are followers of Jesus, then we are his bride. And one day we're going to be joined to him and live forever in another time and another place than here and right now. This is what the story is about. He sends his first round invitations and the first round is to those that sort of were in. Those that thought they were in. I'd say they were the Jews of the day. They they represent, in my day, in my age, I would almost say that this represents those that grew up in this. That this is all we knew. That we, by birth, we think that we're in. This is the people that got the first invitation. That they thought they were in by who they were and their upbringing and what they believed. First people thought they were in. 
but they started making all these excuses. Luke tells the parable differently. He, he says this difference in Luke 14, 18. When they started making excuses, it says, but they all began making excuses. One says, I've just brought a field and must expect it, inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just brought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Who uses these excuses today? I'm sorry, young people. They probably won't work for your homework tomorrow. Not tomorrow, on Tuesday. Just checking. And I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just got married, so I can't come. Classic marriage excuse. Who loves that one? It's funny how we all make excuses, isn't it? I think the thing that they miss is that my relationship with God, which is my proximity to the king who's thrown this wedding feast for his son, Christ, whom I emulate my life with and I have a relationship with, therefore I am invited to the wedding because I have a relationship with the groom. Do you understand? We have this relationship with the bride of Christ. We, we have this relationship, so we are invited to this wedding and then they start making excuses, not understanding that these excuses and things that they had to do, we were actually better at them because of this relationship with Christ, not worse off. One had just brought a field, I must expect it. He was like, I don't know, what would you call that? Like an investor? A property investor? I don't know what it was, whether it was a businessman. My, what I'm trying to say is that my relationship with God allows us to be better employees, it allows us to be better businessmen, it allows us to be better in our role. The marriage excuse, I'm wholeheartedly convinced that my relationship with God enables me to be a more loving, more gracious, more equipped, better husband. It doesn't, my relationship with God and me attending and being a part of a local church doesn't subtract from my home life, but it does the opposite. It enables me to be better, to be the man of God that he has called me to be, to be the father, to be the husband, to be the employee that he has called me to be. My point is this, all these excuses, they self-excluded themselves. It was self-exclusion. Many are called, but few are chosen. These guys excluded themselves from this feast. So what does it take to be chosen? Then I've got two things that I believe from this scripture we can talk about it takes to be chosen. Number one, First of all, this is very simple. We need to accept the invitation. Like, seriously, I think we could just spend a whole moment on this because everyone's interested on Facebook. You know those event notifications that you always get? Everyone's interested. Everyone's, I'll think about it until a better offer comes up. And if my calendar's free and the moon's in the right place, then maybe I'll come to your event. Who's planned an event before and everyone's going on Facebook and you're not sure how many to cater for, you're not sure what's going on? The first thing I believe to be chosen is that we need to accept the invitation. If this loving father is putting on a wedding for his son and we are the bride of Christ and he's putting on this massive banquet for us or we're the guests, we, the, I sort of this, the, the confusing thing about this message is I jump between us. In one moment, we're the bride of Christ. In the other moment, we're the guests. And I think that we can place ourselves in different moments in these two characters in this story. And I know that's confusing, but I think we're both, if that makes sense. We can learn a lesson from both. We've got to accept the invitation. We're not too busy for God. Like, I could understand the other theology that he would be too busy for us, creator of heaven and earth. The reason this thing's still spinning around and still going and we haven't imploded ourselves yet. God. I could understand that we might think that he's too busy for us, but us being too busy for him, like, really? 
Like how full of pride could we be? I feel like this is almost a warning to us that are we too busy for God's invitation? See, the first round were the Jews, the second round were the Gentiles. Those that thought they were in, those that were in by birth missed it. But the second round, the whoever, went into the highways and byways. Another uh, translation says, I like that because we're highway church. They went into anyone, the highways, like literally stand on the side of the M1 and invite them. I think many are called, but few are chosen. And it's us that choose not to be chosen. They came from the right home. They come from the right upbringing. No, no, no. It was the second round attendees that came. There's something about people that have chosen this life for themselves. And I think in all of our Christian walk, there's a moment in our life where we have to choose God for ourselves. I grew up in church, but I can distinctly remember the day that I chose God for myself. It was like that moment when I was struggling with things and I said, no, 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 that's it, God. From this point on, it's you and me. Like, I've experienced you as a child. Yes, I was dragged to church as a child. Yes, I was this, I was that. And, and I kind of had a relationship by proximity and because it was what others were doing around me. But no, God, this is that line in the sand where I will accept this invitation and go from there. There's something about that. Do you know what else I love? First generation Christians. Because everything's new. And the questions are brilliant. If you're on your face challenge, go spend time with someone who's a new Christian. There's nothing more like challenging your theology or growing in your faith when you get asked real questions because if you've grown up in this and this is all you know, we have seriously taken some big faith steps and we've kind of grazed over some facts throughout the time. Have you experienced this? I remember when I was like 16 or something and I was praying for someone and then you know, I, I got a cool opportunity at youth to lead this guy to God, and he was a lot older than me. He was probably at my age now, mid-30s sort of thing, and I got to lead him to God as a 16-year-old, and I'm talking to him after explaining all this sort of stuff, like, lol, as a 16-year-old explaining everything there is to know about Christianity. That's pretty funny. But he goes, uh, so where was Jesus crucified again? And I was like, um, and I had nothing. Like, and I'm like, whoa, what? Like, until you've spent time with someone that is a first generation or a new to God, can I encourage you, there's, we need to understand why we believe and what we, what we believe and why we believe it. You see, the custom of the day was to send out two invitations to a wedding. One was like a save the day. Hey, I've got this event coming on, keep it free. The second one was when the preparations were ready, hey, now's the actual time to come. Now's the actual time to come. So first round was, hey, I'm having this banquet. My son's getting married. It's going to be awesome. Put it in your sundial calendar. I don't know what they had, lunar calendar. Mark it on there. Write it on the tablets of stone. You couldn't put it in your eye calendar, could you? And the second round invitation was, hey, the preparations are ready. The animal that I've been fattened up is ready and we're going to have a great feast. Come now. There's something about accepting the invitation of God. Before I exited youth ministry, I think I spent 15 years as a youth leader and do you know what I'd seen? Hundreds upon hundreds of young people accept the first invitation 
But unfortunately, only a few seem to be chosen. It was like many are called. I'd seen so many people say, yes, God, I want a relationship with you. I'll respond. The amount of little bridge to life. So I drew on a whiteboard as a young person, like sin separated us from God, you know, trying to explain all this stuff in five seconds. Where are they now? No, many are called, but few are chosen. We need to firstly make a decision that I'm going to accept this invitation from you, God. And the second thing that I believe we need to do, second and last thing, in this whole message is this, is allow change. We need to allow change. There's a warning in this message. And it's this, are we dressed in the right thing? You know how the parable takes a weird turn where the, the, the guy walks in, the king walks in, and he sees a guy not wearing the right clothes and kicks him out, throws him out. This is a rep... <laughs> This is uh, like weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a representation of hell, of outside of the presence of God. This is outside of the banquet, outside of this wedding feast between the church and the Christ. This is outside of that. They're thrown on the outside, excluded from the presence of the king. That's hectic, don't you think? Like, why would he invite you only to throw you out? I'll tell you why, because we're never allowed to be changed. It was the custom of the day, get this, for a royal wedding for the king to supply the clothes. Look it up. For the king to supply the clothes. So it wasn't a, this guy couldn't afford the right thing. No, no, no. The robes were supplied. And this is how we come. In the robes of righteousness. Can I get an amen? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of Christ through him. He has given us his righteousness that we put on, and it transitions and changes our life. So we have no excuse when we meet the Father, when we meet the King, and he says, hey, why aren't you wearing the clothes that I supplied for you? We can say, why? Because I never allowed this message to transform my life. Because I said yes at an altar call once on a youth camp or because I said yes on a Sunday in church one day, but I never allowed this message, this grace to transform my life from the inside out. You see, this garment is powerful because all of a sudden it's the same garment for everyone. So in God's kingdom, there's not ranks. There's not a hierarchy of what your occupation is, how much money you earn, what car you drive, what house you live in. No, no, no. They all wore the same thing. It was the righteousness that Jesus paid for last weekend. It was that. That we came in boldly into his courts because of what he had done for us and we allowed this message to transform our lives. The robes of righteousness. This is like a defiance to say, no, 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 God. I'll come. I'll eat your free food, but don't. I'm not going to change. Have you ever experienced that? It's like those people that you're invited to your wedding if you're married. Where are they now? Dan and Papa were really harsh with their wedding, seriously. They didn't invite anyone. <laughs> seriously. They, they just made so... No, I'm joking. They got mi- married in the middle of COVID, so they weren't allowed to invite anyone. And they laughed all the way to the bank. Now, what I'm saying is we need to allow this message to change our life. 
if he's supplied us a new way of living, how arrogant is it that we would turn that down or not allow him to transform us? It's almost defiant because we want to be the Lord of our own lives all at times. We think we look good enough in what we've got. We think that we can earn our way or appease and, and have this moral life without him, but it's not true. We need to be people that put on his righteousness and allow him to change our lives. You have to want it. We need to allow this, inf- this invitation to transform us. I've seen this so many times where people start off and they accept an invitation, but they don't want to change. My flesh at times, can I be honest? I don't want to change. Have you ever been in church and you're really angry or annoyed at someone? Anyone? No, just me. I'll go confess in a moment. Can someone go sit in the drum cage and I can maybe stand on the outside and tell you my problems and you can forgive me? Will that be okay? And then all of a sudden, it's like, after you'd sat in church for a while, it's like, I I really want to hold on to my anger, and I really want to stay annoyed, but there's something about your presence, God, that I can't hold on to that any longer. Have you experienced that? It's like, or, or maybe you're struggling with grief or loss, and you're in this moment, it's like, God, I am so broken, I am so sad, I am so upset, but Why? but why do I get this sneaking suspicion that there's joy coming and I don't want it yet? I'm not ready to move on. Have you experienced that? I have. So no, God, I'm staying sad for a while longer. (laughs) Have you ever told God that? So no, I I have a right to be sad, God. And then he's like, no, no, no. The joy of your Lord, the Lord is your strength. And it's like, oh God, but (laughs) there's a process to grief. I'm not denying that, but I'm saying that when I've encountered God and I've spent time in his banquet, I've noticed that he has transformed me from the inside out. When we truly encounter and accept the invitation, we can't help but change. Another parable Jesus spoke in um, just a chapter before, in Matthew 21, uh, verse 28, it says this, But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, Son, go out and work in my vineyard today. The son answered, No, I won't go out. But later, he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, You go. And he said, Yes, sir, I will. But he did not go. Which of these two obeyed his father? They replied, The first. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. It's not about accepting the invitation. That's elementary. It's about fulfilling our obligation under the invitation. It's about us allowing him to transform us. It's about us working on the hard work of our heart work. Isaiah 61 says this, I'm overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. Can I encourage us, church? There's a robe of righteousness that has been prepared for us and our job is to put it on. 
Our job is to wear it, to be transformed so that we can be chosen. My next question is this story is that if anyone's at this wedding feast, I kind of picture it in my head, and they look like in school uniform. I don't know why that's how my head pictures it, because they're all wearing the same thing. Remember like school? Not like, um, I don't know, is anyone wearing the same thing I am? Not really. And I see this whole wedding feast, and they're all wearing the same thing, and this one guy is wearing something different. Like, my question is this. Why didn't you tell him? Like, where were his mates? Where were his friends to say, hey, mate, it's time. You've accepted the invitation. It's time to put on the clothes that were supplied for you. It's time to put on this robe of righteousness. It is time. I've had this scripture rattling around in my head lately, Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Which leads us me to two sub-questions. Number one, who in your world that is close enough that they can hurt you by the truth to bring about positive change in your life? And number two, who in your world needs to hear your love enough to address things in their life? To say, hey, Dan, it's time. I know you're loving those shoes. <laughs> but it's time to grow. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Better the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. Why could, how are we okay with this? That we're celebrating this great feast and one of our friends, a, a fellow participant in this wedding feast gets kicked out because I didn't have the confidence or the boldness to encourage them to allow this message to transform their lives, all of a sudden it takes a new direction of the purpose of the church. That iron would sharpen iron. Maybe that's what it was always meant to be, that this wouldn't just be a common community group, but this would be the body of Christ, and in that we would have relationship with each other and we would spur each other on in our faith so that we would be the ones that are chosen. It's great that you accept the invitation, but can I encourage us? We need to be people that would be chosen, and to be chosen, we need to allow to be changed by His grace and His love at work in our lives. Do you know that it's not judgment to speak the truth in love? In love? I think sometimes, you know, we're so scared to judge, but the Bible clearly talks that we judge the fruit. And we can allow ourselves to judge the fruit and to address especially people that are close to us in our world and our friends. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't want the best for myself alone, but I want the best for you. I want the best for my friends. I want my family to encounter God. I want them to celebrate the wedding feast alongside of me. Can I pray? And then we'll close. Heavenly Father, God, as we've talked about this wedding feast that Jesus told the parable about, God, I just pray, Lord, that in this room we would be a body of people that accept your invitation but also allow change in our lives. God, even this evening, Lord, maybe even for the first time, God, we choose to take off our own ideas, our own clothes, so to speak, our own way of doing things, our thoughts in the flesh, Lord, and we put on the robes that you have for us. 
We put on this new way of thinking. We put on this new way, God, where we're made right, not because of what we've done, but because of what you have done for us. So God, we ask that you would transform our minds, that we would think differently. God, that you would transform our hearts so we would love differently. And God, that you would use us to bring about change in this life here and now. God, I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't be a people that would miss out on all that you have for us. But we would be the ones that are chosen because we position ourselves to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you come, Dan? Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.